Radio Drome. And welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. My name is Josh, and I am with Brad the Cinema Snob again. Yep, that's me. All right, let's do the housekeeping stuff first, like always. You can cool. con- contact us at 1201beyond at gmail.com, and even though it's not specific to Radio Drome, at Jackalope's website, there is a forum set up for Lost in the Static, the other show I do, and Radio Drome people are welcome there as well if you guys want to talk about the shows or just tell us how much we suck. It doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> so go to Jackalope's website, and under forums, there's one for Lost in the Static. Now, to Brad. All right, you just put up a review of a new movie that is similar to a previous movie, uh, Chatterbox. I'm not so I sure did. we can say the title of the new movie that you just put mm-hmm. up. Honestly, which one did you like better, Chatterbox or movie number two? Between Chatterbox yeah, and uh, P-Talk? Yes. Um, honestly, oh, Chatterbox Chatterbox sucks. <laughs> like Chatterbox is one of those movies where you sit there and you watch it and you just feel like an idiot. You're kind of embarrassed even when you're watching it by yourself. Like I felt that way with Chatterbox, and I felt that way when watching the the uh, Superman 1975 musical. Well, see, um, to, to me with Chatterbox, the only reason, and I like the hardcore porn angle of P-Talk, but yeah, for Chatterbox, I have a real thing for Candace Ralston. So I got to lean towards that because she is freaking beautiful. Candace Ralston's very beautiful, but I found the girl from uh, P-Talk more. More attractive. I found her more attractive. I found her more attractive. Not that I don't think Candace Carlson is active, but the rich. Uh, she had a real. Uh, the, the lady who played Joel in the original had a real kind of Christine Hendricks thing going on, which I kind of dug. And uh, very much. I, French I actually. 70s hair. What's that? I said very much French seventies hairstyle too. Definitely, definitely, and. I actually legitimately liked the original movie. As much as I didn't like Chatterbox, the original, I kind of dug. And in my video for it, really, I'm showing the worst parts of the movie. And the worst parts of the movie are when the thing talks. But in the original, it doesn't really talk all that much. It does kind of here and there. And when it talks, it's kind of annoying, but it doesn't get into like the horrible, punny, stand-up comedian territory that Chatterbox did it's it just it just kind of yells at people but other than that i mean i i thought the original it was very well made i found it to be really very erotic surprisingly is french 70s kind of way is chatterbox actually a remake or is is chatterbox more of a we just took your idea there are some similarities to it in that uh relationship with uh, uh, the the lead character and the husband, or in Chatterbox, it was the boyfriend, but the husband in in the original. There, there's some similarities there, and how it ends with the the love interest having a talking penis, and also how the uh, the talking vagina becomes famous famous in the news whereas in chatterbox uh the the, the thing was performing like on stage and yeah, doing it was these like musical vaudeville. numbers and, and stuff like that where it, in in the original it gets famous but the character kind of goes away from all that and goes into hiding so 
it, it certainly isn't like a shot by shot remake. Well, definitely not. I mean, the original's a pole, and the other one is softcore. Um, but uh, it, it does have it does have its similarities. You can certainly see how one was inspired by the other. Okay. And I also I'm kind of mad at you this week. Oh I, no! You owe me <laughs> 90 minutes of my life back. What uh, did I recommend? Piranha 3D. Piranha 3D. Did I recommend Piranha 3D? You you yeah, I guess you, I you, did. You, you really kind of did. I went and rented it. You owe yeah. me hour 22 of my life back. <laughs> I hated every second of that movie. I didn't hate every I didn't hate every second of Piranha 3D. When I reviewed Piranha 3D, I didn't give it a glowing review. But you I said called that there's it fun. Part- you called it fun. It is. I thought it. I thought that. I thought that there were a lot of parts in it that sucked. But I thought that once it really got going with the severed penis and the um, the extreme uh, the extreme gore that was in the movie that wasn't CGI gore that I haven't seen in a long time that was very well done. Um, I thought that it got fun, and I thought that the three seeing it in the theater in 3D, the 3D in it was so cheesy and so campy that I kind of. I didn't think it was... I, I didn't regret going to see it. Keep in mind, I saw it on video, so I did not see it in 3D. The CGI was terrible. When Richard Dreyfus is getting killed at the beginning, it yeah. looked like wireframe models of pre-rendered graphics. It was yes, so bad in, looking. In the theater, uh, in the theater, stuff like that, I mean, seeing it in those glasses, a, a sequence like that, it was kind of dimmed, so... It's it's not like uh it's not like I was watching it on a two D cut of it like on video, which I'm sure is probably a little clearer. I liked uh, the uh, Christopher Lloyd parts. See, I, I, even he couldn't save it for me, and I was really angry because I really like Ving Rhames, and yeah. he was totally wasted in this film. And then you got Dina Meyer; she uh-huh. gets what four lines of dialogue, and she's killed. Yeah. Why is she in the starring credits? She does nothing <laughs> in the film. <laughs> Although I gotta admit, she's Dina Meyer. <laughs> I gotta admit, Elizabeth Shue is still really attractive. Elizabeth Shue, I thought she pulled it off. I thought she did fine in the movie, and I liked uh, Ving Rhames going at the things at the end with the uh, blade, the motor blades. But <laughs> the problem I had with that is is po- probably a logistical one. He didn't need to die. He didn't need to be in the water to do that. He could have stepped onto the boat and done the exact same thing and survived. There was oh, sure, no reason sure. that yeah. his character needed to die. It was just really uh-huh. bad writing. I think that there's a lot of parts in that movie that really suck, but I think that there's a, a there's a lot of parts in it that are fairly entertaining. I think the characters suck. Well, and then the I e- said that in the review. Well, and then there's the ending. The ending, my wife and I actually screamed at the TV, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Although we didn't say freaking. Well, the ending sucked because, and I think I said this in my video, the ending sucked because they show the ending in the trailers. Except you don't know what's the ending there. Uh, you don't know, and it, you don't know that that's the ending. So when that happened, when you do that, you know that that's coming. You've seen it all over the trailers, all over every single trailer. So when that happens in the movie and it's the end, it throws you off because you expect it to keep going from there when it's a shot that you've seen all over the trailers. Well, the same thing happened with the Harrison Ford one, What Lies Beneath. The big plot twist was in all the trailers. When Uh I was watching that movie, I just kept waiting, okay, at what point is this this scene going to happen? Not if it's going to happen. Zemeckis is notorious for that, for putting practically the whole movie's trailers. But but you also Uh got to remember a lot of times that that's not the director's purview. That's an in that case, purpose. it is. Oh, for Zemeckis, Zemeckis? Per- 
prefers his trailers. Yeah. Because I know uh, Leonard Nimoy was saying for Star Trek Three. Sorry about a thirty-year-old plot spoiler here, but the Enterprise blows up in <laughs> that. He wanted that to be a plot twist. He wanted that yeah. to be a secret. At, and he said he fought tooth and nail with the advertising department who used it in every trailer and wanted to feature it on the poster. Yeah. And he, they could not understand that this is supposed to be a shocking plot twist when the Enterprise blows up. They could not yeah. understand why we shouldn't advertise with that. So it just shows like like Nimoy had no control over how Star Trek Three was advertised. They also uh, used the ending to... Uh paranormal activity all over its trailers as well. The one where she looks at <clears throat> the camera and all monsters out. When the, when the the when uh Mika gets flung at the camera. Oh okay. When he gets her which lucky enough I didn't see a lot of trailers for that movie when I went to go see it so I wasn't really expecting that. That jump scare really kind of got me, but it wasn't until after that that I saw a lot of trailers for it that 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 ending is 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 all over the freaking place. Did you hear about Paranormal Activity act, Activity Activity Three? <laughs> that it looks. I like heard that they're going to make it. Yeah, it's coming out for next Halloween. It looks like Paranormal Activity is going to be the new Saw. Every Halloween, <laughs> you're going to get a new one. You know, and I like. I kind of like that idea. I mean, setting the movies setting the movies aside, I like that idea because I mean that that happened in the '80s with the Friday the Thirteenth movies. I like there being a horror franchise where every year there's a next installment opposed to waiting between two and three years, usually three years, for a sequel to come out. I mean, I can understand it if, if it's if it's like a big kind of epic thing and whatnot, but I like there being a horror franchise where you get a next, where you get a new movie every year. I, I wish, I mean, we talked about this before, but we that someone would kind of kickstart what the Halloween franchise was supposed to be in that regard. Obviously they couldn't call yeah. it Halloween, something like that, where every year you get a Halloween movie at Halloween that's all in a loosely connected franchise. Yeah, yeah, even doing something like that, maybe with that uh, Trigger movie that was out a couple of years ago. Well, yeah, but you know? I remember that was made four years before it actually was released, so... I know, yeah, it was made long before it was actually released, and then the thing came out, and... It was phenomenal. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it. I loved it. I absolutely yeah, I, I loved dug that it. film. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike, Michael Dotry was... He, he dripped that movie with mood and atmosphere. Yeah. More than any other Halloween film I've yeah, seen in a co- long time. Mm-hmm. It was a damn good flick. I, I I really enjoyed the hell out of it. And there was some legitimate. Uh, and I would like to see uh, more of that of that uh, of that kind of Halloween movie. There were some legitimate plot twists in there too. I mean, I'm not going to ruin them here because yeah. the mo- the movie's not old enough, so it's not like the Star Trek plot twist. But there are some legitimate plot yeah. twists that you don't really see coming. W- one thing re- I would like is to see this one would have to be more of a TV series, but something uh-huh. where an anthology series that's all connected, where you don't have any recurring characters, but say they all take place in the same city. And what yeah. happens in episode one affects the characters in episode three. Like, say, episode one is about police. And uh-huh. then in episode two, it's about the emergency room personnel who are dealing with the fallout from the police shootout in episode one or something, where it's all connected story-wise, but there are no continuing characters. I'd like to see a TV show that tried to do something like that. I remember a show that did something like that, uh, that was... Uh, Welcome to Paradox? Uh, no, not not that, that but, well, yeah, but I mean, uh, uh, do you remember the show Gun? 
Yeah, where it, it just had the gun being passed along at the end of each episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember it that. It followed the gun along with all of, I, I think, like, Daniel Stern was in an episode or something, and, like, Daryl Hannah. James Gandolfini, um, uh, Patricia yeah, Arquette. Yeah. It, it, it was all right. It was Gun was a good idea that just didn't work as well as sure. it probably should have. Yeah. And even yeah. The, the New Outer Limits tried something like that, the 1995 mm. series, where they had sequels to other episodes. Mm. You know, you'd see Robert Patrick in, in an episode, and then in the next season, he'd be Robert Patrick would be playing that same character in a follow-up yeah. to that episode. And yeah. I, I thought that was kind of cool that it was an anthology series with sequels. I thought that was a really <laughs> neat idea that um, too many anthology series don't do. No, no, not not at all. Really just kind of uh, one-off. You know, I do, I do like that idea, the idea of there being... Uh, um, and you know, and, and often a lot of them, oftentimes, you know, a lot of them would use the the same actors every now and then. But but doing it doing it as a sequel to certain episodes, I do like that. I, I think that's <laughs> a cool idea. Uh, la- last week we started the thing about discussing franchises, and we did the Dirty Harry. We're gonna mm-hmm. st- kind of stay in that same vein this week. We'd like to talk about the RoboCop franchise, and by that I mean the entire franchise. The, f- yeah. the three movies, the miniseries, the two TV or the TV series, and both cartoons. Because <laughs> so, it's a I really would... big franchise that most people have not seen past part two. Unfortunately, I haven't. Uh, I didn't see any past three. The TV series just kind of snippets here and there. Uh, the cartoon series a little bit. The video games that I, I have the video games. <laughs> Robocop versus Terminator for the Genesis is yeah. amazing, but you got to get it for the Genesis. Because the Super yeah. Nintendo version has all the gore censored out. Oh, yeah. So that's, you, you I, have to get that on the Sega. I, any game that uh, was primarily known for a lot of gore, I <laughs> I would make sure to get on the Sega Genesis. Because at least the Sega Genesis, if you would pop the game in and it didn't have any gore in it, you could find blood code. Right? <laughs> right, the Mortal Kombat blood code. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, I, okay, for RoboCop stuff, I would say skip the cartoons. Skip yeah. the skip the TV series unless you're interested in just the social satire, because the yeah. TV series was really really bad because it came out at, a, at absolutely the wrong time. Do you remember yeah. when everyone was all complaining about all the violence and like Morty Morty Mighty Morphin Power Rangers <laughs> and, and all that? So yeah, the people that made the TV series made it basically they castrated it. Robocop yeah. never shot anyone. He had like a net gun, an electricity gun. If he used mm. bullets, it was like to shoot a sign off of a building that would fall onto the bad guy. Oh, too zany. Yeah, b- because <laughs> they were not allowed to actually show any kind of real violence. So That's it's ridiculous. really neutered, but they kept all the social satire. Yeah. There is still brilliant shots at pop culture and politics and whatnot in the series. So if you can kind of get past the neutered violence and language, the satire yeah. still works in the TV show. Who uh, pl- who played RoboCop in the TV series? I don't remember his name. It, it was there like a, t- a, a one of the movies or the shows where uh, what's his name? Adrian Gruner played him. I don't know about that one. Uh. Um, because I know Paige Fletcher played him in the miniseries Prime Directives. Yeah. Um, which I highly recommend. I highly recommend Prime Directives. If you liked the old RoboCop 1 and 2, and pretty much Prime Directives ignores the TV series, the cartoons, and RoboCop 3, 
And he was uh, he was the hitchhiker, wasn't he? Yes, yes, that's right. But well, and uh, um, Nick Knight from Forever Knights, the villain in that. That's one. right. Nick Knight's the villain. I highly recommend that, especially part one. Uh, uh, cra- uh, was it Crash and Burn? No, w- yeah. W- w- whatever part one was, that one was hardcore. It was showing you this is not the TV series. It was ultra violent. They mm-hmm. they even had specific nods to Texas Chainsaw Massacre in there, where it flashed back to before Murphy got shot, and he was yeah. hunting down a serial killer, and they found him with uh, the meat hooks and a, f- a woman in a freezer and the meat grinder, and it was specific references to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, beautiful. They also introduced a really cool new human character who, plot twist, doesn't stay human very long, called yeah. uh, Nathan Cable. He, be- mm-hmm. he becomes another RoboCop called uh, RoboCable. And unfortunately, I was kind of angry about that because he was a great character. I really wanted more of his human side. But it's also got a really great female villain, Cable's wife. Yeah. She's the one that makes him a RoboCop, and she's so cold and evil and really hot. So I, I highly recommend the Prime Directives miniseries. I'll have to check those out. I know our video store actually has them. I mean, for a while there, uh, they they were uh, they were the only RoboCops movies you could find at our uh, here in town. But I I never I never saw them. I just never. I mean, just like maybe snippets of it here and there. Uh, the mo- the most that I saw really past the movies was like that uh, that Hong Kong. Uh, chicken commercial that had Robocop bust in and take the fridge with him did, and did it was playing in the Back one? of the Future 3 theme did, <laughs> did you see the the noodle one where there's like a whole string of Robocops in like a daisy chain all, oh, all eating noodles oh I gotta find that <laughs> Yeah, uh, Spoonie posted that on his site at one point yeah it's it's just as twisted Oh, I've got uh, I got Godfrey Ho's uh, Robo Vampire, which uh, got it got Robocop in it. <laughs> really, just on the cover. Yeah, just on the cover. <laughs> but if you go by that, he's the star. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. See, here's the weird thing with me with the Robocop franchise. I loved Part One. I really liked what Part Two tried to do, and I really liked parts of it. And Part Three obviously is not very good, but you can no. see how it could have been good. The third one? Yeah, you can see how there was some potential there. Uh, it was unfortunately very neutered, like you were talking about earlier. Um, because they wanted to sell action figures. Yeah, yeah, which even the first one did. The first one sold. I, I bought the action figures when the, the first one came out. That's but, why I really like... That's, where I, that's why I really like the 80s, because a really rough and tough, violent is as crap movie can come out that, you know, you could uh, buy some toys for. Well, uh, um, not to keep plugging Lost in the Static, but Scott and I talked about that. How does our, an our hard R franchise like RoboCop or the Toxic Avenger or Conan spawn yeah. toys and cartoons and things of that nature when kids should well, not have be- been able to see these? That's because we weren't such a nanny state in the 80s. True. <laughs> Very, very, very true. I saw RoboCop in the theater. Uh, you probably didn't because I got, like I said, I got like six or seven years on you. No, so, I saw, I saw it when it first hit video. But here was the thing: uh, I saw it in a, the town where my grandparents live, so it wasn't at my local theater because yeah. it was rated R. See, my local theater never stopped us. They didn't care if the movie was rated R. You know, yeah, you, you could have been a ten-year-old. You, yeah, you could have been a ten-year-old. Well, this yeah. other town, my mom had to. Uh, let's see, 87, I would have been 13. Yeah. My, my mom had to buy my ticket, walk me into the theater, 
and then be there right when the movie was over to take me home. Otherwise, they weren't going to sell me a ticket to it. That's ridiculous. For yeah. something like RoboCop, especially <laughs> the theatrical cut. <clears throat> but to me, the first film is a classic in just about every way. I, yeah. I, I love the first film. And personally, if I had a choice of any kind of fictional car I ever wanted, I want a 6000 SUX. <laughs> I very much yeah. want a 6000 SUX. But then you have RoboCop 2, which I think the reason that failed was the expectations were just too high. I didn't think that RoboCop 2 failed. I don't think that RoboCop 2 is as good as the first one, um, but I think it works. Uh, I think it's a solid sequel. It's still, it still, ha- it still has that that uh, uh, social satire in there. It's still got you know sequences like you know John Glover selling that that car security thing Where it and fries it, the guy. It has it, it's got a it's got a solid villain, uh, Kane. Also, I think the uh, movie works. I, I think that chick. it's a good. I think it's. I think it's still in keeping with being a very dark action film, like the first one was, but with you know a, a little with some bits of dark comedy in it. I think that I think the second one throws in more it, more comedic stuff in it than the first one did. But I don't think that it went overboard with it. I think that it was kind of it was sort of here and there when it and it worked in context of the movie. See, the problem I had was one of the plot twists they have in it. Do you remember when Hobbs dies inside the money truck? Hobbs, yeah. Hobbs was the, the kid. The way the music swells and, and Murphy won't leave his side, they clearly want us to feel bad that Hobbs is dead. Even though this kid was a mad dog killer, stood by while a police officer was eviscerated live, tried to kill other police officers point blank. He tried to strangle... Um. Uh. What was Nancy Allen's character's name? <laughs> it just it just floated out of my head. Yeah. But uh, uh, you know he tried to strangle too. Nancy Allen, beat her head into a into a video game. He is you know foul mouth drug dealing, and we're supposed to feel sorry for him when he gets betrayed and killed. Yeah. I didn't I think understand they only... what they were trying to do there. I don't. I think they only threw that. Uh, oh, uh, Lewis, that was her name. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that they only did that because of the I, because it was a kid. Um, but that never really that never really bothered me. It was always something. It was always something very weird. I mean, because well, and that's actually something I like about the second one is because that character is taking away from when he dies and that whole scene. That character is a kid. But he's only a kid in how old he is. He doesn't. He doesn't act like it. He acts like he. He acts like it might as well be Alan Rickman playing this part. Yeah, I can see that. Gary Oldman or like that. He is a cold-blooded, sinister killer, and I like that. I like that he just happens to be a kid. Um, it isn't like a situation like The Good Son or something like uh. that, where like, oh man, this. <laughs> Don't F with me, Mark. I'm going to drop you out of the treehouse. Um, I didn't like that movie, though. Me neither. <laughs> but uh, I like that, that that kid was played played relatively straight as a villain. I thought I thought I thought the dude get I thought the dude get, did a good job. And that ending, you know that that ending, and it certainly didn't sway one way or the other how I felt about that movie. It is a little odd. Over the top. It is it. It is a little odd that we're sort of supposed to feel that it is kind of suppo- coming across like as this heartbreaking moment or something like that. I mean, I don't know. If I that it kind of reeks of something that was just added in there because it happened to be a kid playing this part. 
Well, another problem I have with the movie, and not so much with Frank Miller's script, but with, yeah. the, with the way the movie ended up was it's very episodic. It's very scatterbrained. L- literally, you can watch that movie, and every 10 to 15 minutes, a new plot starts and ends, and it's very a self-contained movie with just an yeah. overarching story arc. You got, oh, RoboCop's got this little plot to deal with? Okay, that's over. Now let's go to this little plot. Oh, that's over. Now yeah. let's go to this little plot. So it's very episodic. It's like they couldn't decide, okay, this is the story we want to tell. It's These are the nine stories we want to tell. At the same time, though, I'm glad that that whole... I'm I'm glad that some of it was sort of episodic in how uh, when they when they put that chip in it in him and it makes him very nice. It makes him yeah. It makes him nice. It makes him like obey all the laws and like be like a peacemaker and stuff like that. I'm glad that that the plot device that was kind of spread throughout the whole movie. <laughs> I also liked that as that was a shot at all the critics who were taking you know, were complaining about how violent the first film was. Yeah, and how me Robocop too. Me could too. Be nicer. That was a and clear shot. And I thought shot. it worked better as, as being just kind of its own little 15-20 minute segment. But then there are parts that it's almost like it, it was Irwin Irwin Kirshner that did that, right? Or, or, or is uh, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it Irwin or Irving? I can't remember. I'll, I'll uh, I think Kir- I've always pronounced it Irvin. Okay, I'll just say Kirshner. Kirshner seemed to as the movie progressed kind of get more cartoony like the whole behave yourselves (laughs) i mean how in what's an otherwise serious movie up to that point is that supposed to be taken seriously and not cartoony you know the movie's got elements it's it's a cartoony and this is why i really like the first one a lot because when you hear the it sounds very cartoony you know it sounds like something that would be very cheesy and it's it's not played that way i mean it's played well i mean it has its it has its its moments but i mean it all works in context to a very dark movie that that's played for what it is relatively straightforward man skype is sucking skype is really sucking tonight here you keep dropping out to hell with you Um, skype (laughs) uh but uh but anyway um and then in the second one yeah the second one is a little more cartoony than the first one but i don't think it's i don't think it's regretfully more cartoony than the first one i don't think that it's that it's beyond more cartoony than the first one i think it's still works in that same universe it's certainly not anything like comparing the first tim burton's batman to batman Batman and robin Robin, you know it like that i i i think that this that the second one has a lot of cheesy action in it but you know i think it works the the part that my wife has always pointed out has just bothered her right from day one was when he's fighting robocop 2 and Mm -hmm. they fall off the building and he smashes RoboCop into the side of the building yeah. <laughs> in cement, and there's a big cartoon-style imprint of RoboCop's body. That's the point my wife said it just lost her. That, it's, that you know, I can't even pretend to take this movie seriously anymore because it's not even trying to be serious anymore. Well, I mean, it's a movie about robot cops fighting each other and one's going crazy. I mean, I'm not going to take something like that to be incredibly serious to begin with. But something like him getting smashed into the wall and it leaves an imprint, that's not... Something as little as that isn't isn't a deal breaker for me in a movie where most of it's pretty good. If the whole movie was very, very... Slapstick? Sticky... Yeah, yeah. If the whole movie was like that, walks into a door and, like, you know, a potted plant falls on his head or something like that, or it uses, like, whistle sound effects or something, you know, that would be one thing. But I, 
this movie to me it, it didn't go far enough in the slapstick realm that that it bothered me or even left that much of an impression on me in that regard. There's one really absurd moment that I love. It's one of my favorite moments in mm-hmm. the entire franchise is uh, when, they, when they've got all the, the, the dead pro, uh, RoboCop 2 prototypes, you know, all, yeah. all the ones that didn't work that are like shooting the technicians and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I like that sequence. Me too. But the one where the guy, the, it pulls its own head off and you just see its face and it goes, Wah! and then shoots itself <laughs> yeah. in the head. I laugh so hard at that every time I see that scene. I wish that were expanded by like a, a good another 10 seconds because that scene too. is so funny. Uh, that scene is just so hilarious <laughs> I, to me. Yeah, I, I really like that scene a lot too, and it's it's one of those things like it's it's very funny and it, it works. It works in it works in context of that movie, and the first one did stuff like that really well too. <laughs> I also, also really like in the second one uh, Tom Noonan's Kane character. Oh yeah, Kane is awesome. But that's just what I was just going to bring up. There was all there was a great deleted subplot which. Most of the filmmakers can't remember if they actually shot it or if it was cut from the script before any of the stuff was shot. But that fax, the, the the chick that was sleeping with the old man at OCP, yeah, yeah, that she was Kane's partner in the nuke trade, and that's why she took the opportunity to get one up over Kane when he got huh. quote unquote killed. But there was a yeah. whole deleted subplot where Fax was secretly a nuke dealer, and I kind of like uh-huh. that. I like that too. It also explains how why is... she, you know, chose Kane. What's know, that? It also explains why she chose Kane, a drug addict and psychopath for the RoboCop Two program. They should have kept that in there because how it, it certainly would add more to how to that character that character's ending and how they more or less just kind of throw her under the bus at the end of it. And Sorry, uh, I'm disconnecting my uh, phone here. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um. <laughs> Damn it! And it, I wish they had kept that subplot in. I, I I liked that. I thought that was cool. And I also liked. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know him, but Frank Miller has a the writer has a cameo in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. He, he's he's the technician that blows up in the uh, trailer. He also wrote RoboCop Three. Yeah, yeah, which, RoboCop Three. Uh, <laughs> just had RoboCop Three. I really do see how it could have been a good movie. I mean, the whole moving everyone out of Detro- of old Detroit to try and gentrify it. Okay, I can kind of see where you can get the social satire in there. But they yeah. were just so concerned with selling action figures and RoboCop, w- RoboCop with the gun arm action accessory, and you've yeah. got the RoboCop flying pack action accessory, and you've got the robot ninjas, and it was just too, it, it got too goofy. To me. Thought your ninja was supposed to take care of Robocop. Uh, well, and the, you got the Rip third Torn. One, the third one is. <laughs> you got Rip Torn as the villain, man. Yeah. <laughs> the third one is just boring. The third one is so completely uninteresting. I I really can't stand the third. One. I can't like okay. It's one thing that RoboCop is flying in this. He's got the gun arm and stuff like that. You know, all right. That there's that and uh, it's then got it's, Stephen Root uh, and Daniel and it's, Van it's, Bargen. What's, what's his name? Who plays Robo? Robert John uh, Burke. Robert, Robert John Burke. Yeah, uh, you know the fact that it's a different guy playing RoboCop. You know, you know that could have been done all right. You know that that could have that could have been fine. I mean, but. Uh, it's just such a boring movie. Even when I saw it as a little kid, I can... 
it was it was tough. It was tough sitting through it. I mean, I was falling asleep in the thing. It's such an uninteresting movie. They made possibly the most uninteresting movie they could have made about RoboCop, theatrical at least. <clears throat> I can I can see that. But I didn't see that till it came out on video. I didn't even give it a try because I didn't see it in the theater either. Because it was <clears throat> a three year gap between two and three. Because three sat on the shelf for I think a year and a half. Because it o- did. O- it was made like right after two. Because Orion was, was in bankruptcy, so they couldn't yeah. le- they couldn't legally release it. So I remember yeah. by '93, I was a senior in high school, and I just for one reason or another never went and saw that, and I re- ended yeah. up renting it, and it was just it was so disappointing. And yeah, the th- but the thing with RoboCop three is you can see what I was talking about how there are the little twinges like the the splatter punks. You yeah. can see how those could have been cool. Lewis's death, you can see yeah. how that could have been cool. And, oh, and personally, this is my favorite thing about RoboCop two. I like Lewis's new haircut. Me too. A very nineteen ninety <laughs> haircut, and it looks really good on Nancy Allen. Yeah, <laughs> I really like that too. I really like her haircut. I mean, I'm sorry if that's a little weird, but she's got a great she's got great hair in that. Honestly, her worst hairstyle in all three of them. It's the was first the first one was the first one. Yeah, because it was very nineteen eighty seven, trying to be. Uh, God, what year did the first film take place? And I don't even remember if they told us or if it was just the future. Oh, that's a good question. I don't uh, remember. That's a good question. If it if it told us what you, I can't remember. Well, uh, if you think about it in reality, it could be 2011. Because yeah. l- let's say Detroit, pretty much all they need right now is OCP, and that movie is happening in Detroit right now. Mm-hmm. Detroit's gotten that bad. Yeah. <laughs> then, but then RoboCop three. It was directed by. Oh, I cannot remember the director's name, and I'm going to punch myself for this. It's the guy that did uh, Monster Squad and uh, uh, Night of the Creeps. I've lost uh, his name. Fred Decker? Fred Decker, that's it. Yeah, uh, that's y- it. You need to punch me for that, not knowing that. Um, <laughs> Dude, I get, I get the, that happens to me all the time. I'll <laughs> be sitting there and just, bleh, yeah, it Swiss, just brain I, I don't is Swiss know. cheese all of a sudden. But uh, Fred Decker had a great comment on the Monster Squad DVD where he said Night of the Creeps started his career, Mon- yeah. Monster Squad killed it, because mm-hmm. it was such a flop, even though it was a great movie. Yeah. Then he, you know, kind of dinked around in Hollywood for a while. Then he got RoboCop three, and he thought my career is saved. And RoboCop put the final nail in his career. Yeah, but when he did RoboCop three, that RoboCop oh. three killed him. I remember I didn't, I didn't see that movie in the theater because I it like came and went here in here in town here in Springfield like it was out and then it was gone like if i had thought about it i probably would have seen it in the theater cuz i remember when it once it hit video i was looking forward to that like all oh, right i missed it in the theater uh, robocop 3 uh all right i i got to watch this rented it the weekend it came out and oh, i slept like a baby for weeks but uh uh and at the to- at, at that time uh let's see i was i was like 12 or 13 when that movie came out i wasn't really paying that much attention to reviews and 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 stuff like that and word of mouth so i didn't really hear one way or the other whether it was any good whether Ro- yeah robocop 3 good uh, I should have, t- I should have put the pieces together and how long the thing was out. But a kid um, doesn't think like that. What a kid doesn't think like that. Yeah, yeah. And f- poor Fred Decker. I mean, he hasn't made a movie since, has he? 
I think he's done a couple of low-budget little things, but yeah, he, he his career is pretty much over except for people sh- having him show up at Monster Squad conventions. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, mm-hmm. th- then here's the next question. We'll kind of leave the two cartoons out of it because I don't know about you, but I really only watched the Sunbow one. I never watched the anime-style one, which I think was called Alpha Protocol, I believe. I, I, I didn't watch the anime-style one, and the other one I, I really kind of barely watched here and there. I don't think I watched it when it was new, but I've got some of the original VHS tapes for that. Yeah. So I've got mm-hmm. some of the episodes. The What would you prefer? RoboCop 4 or a remake of RoboCop? Because both RoboCop. Are, both are on the table right now. RoboCop 4. Mm-hmm. I would like to see a fourth one, but then you have to wonder, really, do you want to keep 3 in continuity? Or do you want to just kind of kick 3 out of continuity like the miniseries did? You know, I mean, there are plenty of movies that have gone past 3 and 4 that had one or two stinkers thrown in there as, as sequels, you know, and they... And they kept going. Friday uh, the Thirteenth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so I would rather them do a four and have you know three still be in there, you know, whatever, than than to have them remake it, you know. Because I say this, I say this a lo- about a lot of remakes. It doesn't need to be a remake. It could just be another sequel. Just make another sequel, you know? this They don't have to have this be a, a freaking remake. Um, right. And in regards to RoboCop 4, I would like to see... I would like to see it be, you know, 17 years later, and the RoboCop model is maybe has maybe become obsolete in the 17 years between 3 and whatever 4 would be. I think that's that there's what, a lot that could be done with that. That's what the Prime Directives did. It, it, it used the continuity that RoboCop actually got to the point where if he got damaged, they didn't even make most of his parts anymore. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that was in the Prime Directives miniseries that it was RoboCop was basically outdated by that point. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how many years it took place afterwards, but you know they they couldn't make they couldn't repair him if he got damaged. Yeah, and, and he had a lot of damage to the suit and things like that. I think he even still had the uh, welding scar across the eye from RoboCop Two. Yeah, I think that was even on the costume. But oh, then, excellent. but then here's the bigger question: Peter Weller said there's no chance of him ever being RoboCop again. Who could play Murphy slash RoboCop? out of today's troop of actors if we can't get Peter Weller. Oh, today's troop of actors playing RoboCop. Oh, man, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. I was... Oh, I think I, I was... Well, <laughs> I guess he could get Robert John Burke back. <laughs> he was probably the worst. I mean, I like him as an actor. He was amazing in Dust Devil and on Rescue Me in that. Yeah, yeah, he is a he good actor. He was terrible I, I really as like RoboCop. Him. He was yeah. just... I mean, Paige Fletcher was much better because Paige Fletcher tried to get some of the human side. Robert yeah. John Burke seemed to kind of have this I am a robot, my movements must be stiff kind yeah. of way of playing RoboCop, but it just did not work. Unfortunately, yeah, because I, I, I really do like Robert John Burke. Um, but, uh, man, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think uh, out of uh, today's slew of actors... Okay, as weird as this sounds... Uh, and I, and would do I, a pretty decent repel. As weird as this sounds, and, I, and I'm not just picking this guy because he actually has a connection to Peter Weller, but I think Robert C. Hall. Oh, Michael C. Hall? M- Michael C. Hall, sorry. Yeah, Michael C. Hall. I, I, I think, like... you know, I could see him doing RoboCop. 
He's got the voice for it. And you know, and then Peter he killed Peter Weller this season on Dexter too. So exactly. he's got a connection to Peter Weller. So literally that could have been passing the torch. <laughs> from Peter Weller to Michael C. Hall. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would like him uh, yeah, I would I would definitely like like to see him go with that kind of actor too. Not like uh a muscle man, like a big guy. Right, right. Well, uh, exactly. like like Aliens versus Predator did when they got all the wrestlers playing the Predators and the Predators looked all they looked too built, frankly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd like to yeah. see cuz Peter Weller was not a big guy. No, he did no, Robocop. Not at all. And when you see the Murphy scenes, he is skinny as hell in those. Yeah, he's bigger now than he was back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, something else I'd like to see, just as like a goofy one-shot little spin-off, I'd like to see a TJ Laser show. I'd like oh, to see, man, I'd like to see them great. make an episode of TJ Laser. And just like throw it on like as like a DVD extra. Yeah, like, like or a little something. like a little twenty minute thing on you know whatever's going to be the fourth re release of RoboCop on on Blu Ray yeah. or something. I'd love to see a little made for DVD TJ Laser uh, live action show because we only got like the one little five second clip Can in the movie. Can you do that, Dad? <laughs> With the gun. <laughs> oh, dude, that would be great. That would be fantastic. They could even make. They could even do like, uh, like a contest or something. Make your own TJ Laser uh, episodes. Exactly. So, <laughs> come on. Uh, oh God, who the hell owns that franchise now? So when Orion went down, is that 20th Century Fox now? Come on, 20th the- Century Fox or whoever, make this. Give us a TJ Laser episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd be really great if they did it in the old cliffhangers TV show style, where uh-huh. it's not the first episode, where we get like episode eight, <laughs> yeah. and there's all this continuity <laughs> that we don't see. Mm-hmm. Because do you remember cliffhangers? It was is that the name of a show, or do yeah. you just mean like no? The, uh, um, th- th- there was a show in '82 or '83 called Cliffhangers. Do you remember? Oh, that? oh, okay. Uh, no, I didn't know there was actually a show called that. It, what it was, it was a brilliant idea that was probably way too far ahead of its time for nineteen early '80s TV. Was yeah. it was three, I think twenty minutes some episodes of ongoing serials in an hour long format on network TV. But the yeah. cool thing is, you never got part one. <laughs> it's you know each one started at at least chapter two or four, and it, there was a Dracula one. There was a uh, one's called Stop Susan Williams, which was like a reporter trying to stop terrorists, and then there was an Old West fighting aliens one, <laughs> and it was brilliant, so far ahead of its time, and it failed miserably. I think there's only like eight to ten episodes. Oh man, that's that's a, that's a bummer, man. That's a that's a good that's a good idea for a show. I've got them all that's... on tape. I can uh, put them on DVD and bootleg them to you if you'd like. Oh, that would be fantastic. And each one, <laughs> and each each week, it ended on a cliffhanger, just like the like a movie serial. And it, it was just a really cool idea that probably would work a lot better today than it did in the early eighties. Yeah, was just a little far ahead of where early '80s TV, and and then they also they also had the idea of each season would be new serials, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be those same three stories on in the second season. It would be you know a different type of horror story, a different type of science fiction story, and a different type of action story. Some shows, you know, you just wish came out uh, a few years after when they did because you have Hedrum. to think like Max Hedrum. yeah. It, the, the Max right, Headroom right, was brilliant yeah. in 87. Um, it just it was so far over everyone's head. You just got to think like, man, if this came out like 10 years later, would this have would this have clicked? Would this have clicked? And also, would it have still still has been as good? 
Exactly. Um, but then some shows hit at right perfect time. Hill Street, I yeah. can't see have been made being made in the 70s or in the 90s. Hill Street needed to be 81. Yeah. Yes. For him, for Hill Street to work the way it did. And I, I still go on record, Hill Street's probably the best show in the history of television. I think it's one of them. I think it's, I think it's one of the best shows in the history of television. What would be your um, others? Hmm? What would be your others? I should probably actually think of like a list of what I think is actually the best, because I certainly have what, what are my favorites. Right. Um, you know, my favorite show of all time is Mystery Science Theater. And as for cop shows, my favorite cop show is Vice. Uh, was also I watched uh, Hill Street when I was a kid, and what? And at the same time, uh, NYPD Blue. NYPD Blue. I <clears throat> God, I was really into that when I was a kid. Well, uh-huh. last week we were talking about same character, different movie or show. Yeah, and NYPD yeah. Blue is technically a sequel to Hill Street because of the character of Buck Naked. Do you remember that mm-hmm. guy, that that black flasher that was always flashing people and going, "I'm Buck Naked." I remember Buck Naked. Yeah, he appeared on an NYPD Blue episode played by the same actor. So technically, <laughs> NYPD Blue is a sequel to Hill Street Blues. <laughs> if you really want to get picky about that, just because of Buck Naked, even it's it's funny you see because the shows that Botchko does and the shows that Mill are always notorious for seeing uh for seeing actors playing different roles in the same series. Like, well, what's his fame? Crusoe, uh, who was the uh, the gay lieutenant in uh, the in the last season of NYPD Blue, popped up as uh just a random character uh in one of the early seasons of NYPD Blue. Oh, and, and then you got David Crusoe, who uh, on Hill Street he was the yeah. leader of the the Shamrocks, the Irish gang. And, yeah, and then he's the yeah. main, then he's the main character for the first season and a half of Blue. <laughs> Even uh, Dennis Franz in Hill Street is Sal, and then is uh, Norman, Norman. Bunce. I, I actually kind of wish the Sal storyline hadn't only been a three or four episode arc. I know, right? I wish that <laughs> if you think about it, the Sal character. It's almost the prototype for what Vic Mackey would be. You know, he was almost a Vic Mackey prototype. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we only got a couple of minutes left here, and we started rambling like we always do. Oh, of course. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I just, you know, am pointing out that we were are rambling, as we always do. So, the RoboCop franchise, of the movies, how would you? what order would you put them? Oh, easy. Uh, from best to worst, uh... <laughs> From best to worst, one, two, and three. <laughs> I gotta go the same way, and then it, you know the Prime Directives miniseries. I highly recommend both to the listeners and to you, Brad. I highly recommend. I'll finally check that out. Uh, I uh, it was one of the, yeah I it was one of those things. I just always kind of thought like, well, that might not be very good. So I it does sort of I, I always out. you know and it's because of three. I'll blame three. I'll blame RoboCop three on that. Uh, I think a lot of people do that. That's why it didn't do very well when it aired. Because I think a yeah. lot of people were like, the, the TV series had happened, the cartoons had happened, three had happened, so they thought it was just that same neutered crap. And they didn't realize, wow, this isn't that same neutered crap. That this is going back to the hardcore, brutal, very sexual, ultra-violence. I mean, there is some really hardcore violence. Because the miniseries, even though it aired on Sci-Fi Channel here, it was made for Canadian TV. Yeah, and on just regular TV, they can get away with a lot more than we can. Yes, yes, so exactly. The, the Canadians got away with a whole lot more with mm-hmm. that. So I really do recommend that. Although the final chapter does get a little ridiculous, Garrett Wynn Davies is really over the top as the villain. 
Yeah. He's real. Oh, and it's got uh, Jack Bauer's wife in it, too. <laughs> oh, all right. The chick from uh, Men at Work. Sweet. Yeah, it, it, Jack Bauer's wife is in it as well. Leslie Hope. Uh, that's, that's her it. name. I, <laughs> I'm like, it starts with an L, starts with an L. So, <laughs> Leslie Hope, Garrett Wynn Davies, Paige Flesher, Fletcher. I can't talk tonight. I hate this. We're going to sign out here, but 1201beyond at gmail.com, and you can check out the forums over on Jackalope Radio. Just drop us a line. Let us know what you think. Let us know whether you're getting pissed at how bad Skype is bringing Brad through or if you just want me to shut up and knock my stutter off and have Brad punch me. It's all up to you. I have no I have no self-confidence whatsoever, man. I know I know it going into this, so <laughs> you just got to be like me and just roll with it, baby. <laughs> my stutter is a big problem and it's something I try and work through, so I hope it's not that annoying to most people. Honestly, I did not even notice that until you just mentioned it, and I still don't notice. <laughs> I, it's I try really hard to not stutter. It's I've had it my entire life. Sure. And, and then yeah. th- there should be a new. It co- it came from me on midnight coming out soon. Although it's a Christmas episode, go with it, okay, people. <laughs> Email us at the twelve oh one beyond at gmail dot com and let me know what you thought of the laser mission one because I'm probably going to do more of those in that style. I have more episodes shot with Joe, but when Spoonie got sick, those kind of went to the to the back burner because they were all shot with uh, Spoonie in mind. And hopefully Brad doesn't mind me rambling about that. Not at all, my friend. Radiodrome, episode three. Good night. <laughs>
Get us out, but a child 